0: Most entrepreneurs miss out on opportunities due to lack of leadership or not knowing how to connect with the right people. They struggle keeping their sales pipeline full and booking qualified leads. On Business Leaders Network, you will learn from experts who will give you tactical tools and strategies to help you grow as a leader and how to keep your sales pipeline full, increasing your bottom line. Now, here is your host of Business Leaders Network, with your strategic
1: business success coach, J.R. Spear. Hey, welcome everyone. My name is Jr. and I'm your host on the Business Leaders Network. And every week we go live where we teach you guys tips and strategies that can help you guys grow in leadership, sales, marketing, systems, processes, and finances. And if you guys have not joined or checked out our online community, I would love to invite you. As one of our VIP guests, all you have to do is go to blncommunity.com. That's blncommunity.com and love to have you there as my one of my guests. A lot of really cool things going on for you to get plugged in, to connect, and to grow inside of our Business Leaders Network community. If you have not grabbed a copy of my book, The Success Guide to Building Your Coaching Empire, go do so at jrspear.com. All right, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Angela Goodman, and she is the founder of Valkyrie Ventures Group and Eateries of Loudon. Has a passion for helping people unlock their financial mindset, and as a reformed cash flow strategist, she now spends the majority of her time helping small business owners on their journey to true profitability and positive cash flow. And today we're talking all about negative to positive, reversing your cash flow. So Angela, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jr. I'm, I appreciate being here.
1: Yeah, well, before we dive in, I just want to say that you are going to be one of our main speakers at our January BLN Summit, which is a pretty big deal because we do a lot of events, and every event we've done so far, you know, everyone leaves with like their jaws down on the floor, just like, wow, that was amazing. And we we try our best to really bring quality people with great content to really serve. So I'm just excited about bringing you to our uh, stage and be able to connect with you and just really serve our audience because. Part of BLN, big thing about what we're that we really try to focus on is having servant leadership and making sure that we're serving each other and not focused on ourselves. I mean, I always say Zig Ziglar said it best. We help more people get what they want than we're going to get what we want. So I just uh, I feel that you exemplify a lot of what that is and have a heart and passion wanting to give. And and you're doing some really cool things. So let's start at your journey uh, before you became an entrepreneur and started a franchise and started helping people and all these different things. What led you to where you're at today? Walk us so through that I, journey.
2: Yeah, of course. So I actually spent uh, 15 years working in commercial HVAC and mm. in the positions I had within that company, I always was leading people, whether it be from a sales perspective or from an operations perspective. And I had a team of 72 people at the time that I that I transitioned out of the corporate world into my own entrepreneurial uh, adventure. And. Um, I had run businesses previously in construction kind of on the side. I'd help people start businesses while I was in corporate America. And I have always just had a passion to help other people and decided that it was kind of time to like take that leap and go out on my own. Uh, sure. The company I was working for was kind of shifting their mentality for uh, how they were leading people and they lost the people focus. And I I didn't agree with that. And so it was time for me to go out and kind of do things on my own.
1: Yeah. So there's always someone in our, you know, that's got our six in our back, back seat that's always there that's been influencing us, that's been pushing us, encouraging us, or someone that just inspired us. You know, it could be someone from childhood or even into our adult life. Did you have someone like that in your life? And who was that?
2: You know, it's funny uh, with that company that I worked for, I had somebody who championed me throughout my entire career there. I'd had a, a project early on that kind of questioned some ethical standards with one of my, um, supervisors and so I had engaged the person who was two levels above him and kind of got him into the swing and at that point in time he got a lot of respect for me, and how I operated um, ethically and he walked me through my career. Um, and helped me along the way, and mentored me a lot on what to do to to grow myself and to work on my leadership skills and to understand the importance and dynamic of relationships and how critical those are. Um, He and I have lost touch unfortunately in probably the last ten years, but uh, he was very instrumental to me in that growth period of really learning how to how to lead people and help people. Mm. Yeah,
1: it's really awesome. i uh, I have a little quick story, so, my, I, I have four kids and my, my oldest, his name is Jameson. He's seven years old. And, uh, you know, a couple months ago, we, we were casually just kind of, he sees me exercising all the time. So he's like, dad, you know, I, I want to go for a run with you. And I was like, okay, sure. So I come back from the gym doing my other stuff and then, you know, or I'll go for a long run and I'll come back and I'll take him for a short run and do, do like a, a half mile or whatnot. And so he he finally got to the point where he's doing the half mile and he's like, dad, I can go longer. Can we just do one mile? <laughs> and we, so we, so this morning uh, we were, we went, you know, I, I went to the gym. I, I I'm I'm preparing for doing a, tr- get back on triathlons next year. So swam a thousand meters, rode 10 miles. And then, you know, when I got back, I took him for a run and we're going for his first time doing one mile by himself. And, you know, during the reason why I bring this up, because when we first started running and doing that before, if you would have asked him just a few weeks ago, he he would say like, you yeah, know, I, I can't run a, I can't run a full mile, but let, let's do a half mile. But he was, he was so eager to be like, no dad, let's do a mile. I can do it and I'm not going to stop. And I was like, okay, let's go. And so this morning, you know, he was like, Hey, you know, I could do this mile. You know, do you think I can? I was like, yeah, but the first step to be able to do that first mile was for you to actually say, yes, I can. And have that belief mm-hmm. that you can do it. Yep. And so really having a good teaching moment with him, saying, Hey, you have to first make the choice that you can do this because if you just. If you can't tell yourself that you can do this and you're gonna do it and you're gonna do it strong. And we always like to say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish type thing. So I'm trying to instill that into them. And, but it goes right into entrepreneurship as well. It's like, we first have to make that choice and have that belief that we can do it and we can make it happen before we could step out and actually do it. I mean, who's going to run out? I mean, I, I can, I know a few Marines that did this, but who's actually going to say, I'm going to go run a marathon and not train for it or commit to say that they're going to do it? I had a Marine that I served with, and he did a Marine Corps marathon back in like 2004 or five, and didn't even train for it and just got out and, and did it. Woke up one day. I was like, okay, I'm going to go do it. But uh, it brings me to the point for, for you. It's like, okay, you're in this corporate world. You're being mentored and learning a lot of these different leadership skills of you know how to run a business, how to run teams, how to do all these different things in cash flow and and just look, being groomed as an entrepreneur. But there had to be that shift. in at one point, point in your life, when you're in that moment where you're saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to go start my own businesses. When was that moment? And do you remember that self-talk? that you had to do with yourself to get you through that moment?
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, As you, especially, especially as a woman in a man's world, which is where I was, right. As a commercial HVAC, everybody yeah. around me was, was men, everybody, everybody, you know, I had to prove myself extra because they didn't realize that I could, hang on the technical side, I could talk mm. the technical terms, I could troubleshoot heavy equipment. That was something that that was something that I developed a belief in myself about and was able to do. And then when people would meet me and know me, they would recognize that I was able to do that. Um, what, what really struggled for me to go out on my own was Not so much the belief in myself, but just the the fact that I was supporting my family at that time. So it became a really tough decision for me to walk away from a very lucrative career that had been so uh, comfortable for me and I had progressed in and then to say, Oh, no, now I got to jump into this and I don't know what the future holds. Right. So I believed in myself and made a mental commitment. That part of it was easy for me. But the tough part was actually the what was around me, which was determining for my family what I was going to do. Um, and at the end of the day, I said, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to I'm going to make it happen. Failure is not going to be an option. I'm going to take every single tactic and step that I need to take and make this commitment. And so it did become even though it was a little bit of a struggle, it did become just like you said, you make that mental commitment, you stick in there, you have grit, you have determination, you find the knowledge, you find the people, you find the who that's going to help you get through. Um, And and you just go out and do it. Just go out and get it done.
1: So did you uh did you have a process when it came to leaving the corporate world to start your job or did you just like say hey you know gave your gave me notice and just figured it out along the way
2: yeah you know there it was somewhat of a process I mean long story short when i when I entered into the world of franchising, I did it because it was a brand and a product I knew. So I had lived in Charlotte, North Carolina uh, for a number of years, which is where Mm -hmm. Famous Toastery, the the franchise that I own now, started. And I was a regular guest before they ever started franchising. And I knew the product. I knew the service model. I, I had a good understanding of the success capability of the business. So when I found out they were franchising, the process for me was just really understanding What is it I don't know? How are they successful? Why are they successful? And can I replicate that success in Northern Virginia? Um, So I went through a process of about eight months of kind of digesting what that was going to take. I I came from a construction background, so I had to go through the process of digesting what the financials look like for me. Um, I had to go through the process of determining where I was going to come up with the money that I needed in order to do it. And I was going to have to take it from my 401k, from my savings, all of those things. Um, I didn't want to depend on anyone else or take money from anyone else for it. So, yeah, there was a process of about eight months of determining all of that, laying the groundwork, the foundations, understanding what I was going to have to do to set up the business and um, and then going through the franchise negotiation process, which also took about four months. Um, So there was definitely a process from the time I started in June to the time I quit my job the following February. I went through a lot of transition um, and process work.
1: So what was your vision when you first started going to wanting to build your own business and did that change to where you're at today?
2: So uh, the company that I, that I started is eateries, eateries of Loudon, right? So my plan in the beginning on day one was to have this grand scale, multiple, multiple unit, uh, franchise operation of famous toastery in Northern Virginia. Um, I, Had big plans for it. I was going to open four locations. I signed a multi unit agreement um, and got into getting it done. It took about a year to get the location open from the time that I signed the actual franchise agreement. Um, And we opened the doors and nobody came during the week. And we were on, we were on a wait on the weekends, Saturday, Sundays, we're always super busy. We, everybody, the outward appearance, if you came to see us on a weekend was like, wow, they're killing it. This business is doing amazing. And then Monday through Thursday, because of the location we were in was like a ghost town. um So we struggled in the beginning to make sales and to, and to make that happen. um So we quickly determined, or I quickly determined at that time that there was no way I was going to create my restaurant empire in a quick manner because I, I had a very short sighted, I was going to do it in two years and, and go in full force. And unfortunately the economics of the situation didn't help me.
1: So what was that driving force, that purpose, that thing that wakes you up in the morning that kept your drive going to still be here today. And what is it? Seven, eight years since you started. Uh, what, what is that? What is that thing inside of you? that saying am- that burns so strong that drives you.
2: I'm stubborn as hell. And I was not going to let anyone sit back and say, I told you so. I was not going to let anyone sit back and say, see, she she should have never left because she because she couldn't do it on her own. I was not going to let anybody sit back and say that I wasn't capable of running a successful business on my own and also making it profitable and also having a staff who who had longevity in the restaurant business. Long story short, I made uh, the determination to, to open a restaurant to create jobs for 30 other people, not to create a job for myself. I wanted to be an investor. I wanted to build a business, grow a business um, and and then operate in that manner. And so I was not going to fail. I just wasn't going to fail. I didn't want anybody to be able to say she didn't make it.
1: Did you have a lot of people in. uh you know, that was speaking life into you, that was giving you a doubt that you couldn't do it?
2: I had a lot of people who were not in my corner, right? They were they were friends, they were family, they were, and then they were people who also, you know, judged and predetermined what was going to happen. Um, I am a very fiery, intense, inspired human being and and that sometimes can aggravate people who are not that way. And so bottom line is, is that because of that, um, I did have people who were not in my corner, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't give them a reason to to get satisfaction that I didn't make it. So
1: yeah, I, I love that. And the reason why I'm digging into this is because a lot of you know entrepreneurship is hard all around. And mm-hmm. so it, everything with with when it comes to starting entrepreneur you know any type of business, it always starts with that vision. It starts with like having that roadmap be like, okay, where am I gonna go and, what, and why am I gonna do it? And so when I'm, the reason why I'm asking these questions is like, where was your head at when it came to starting these business and where you wanna go? But it's also that driving factor that's gonna keep us in the fight. Yeah. So, because, you know, we, you know we, we hear the saying a lot that, you know, we'll, we'll fight for money, we'll fight for fame, we'll fight for success, but we'll die for, you know, a belief and a purpose. And so when we when we really figure out what is that drive, that why, that purpose that burns inside of us, and when things get tough, we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up because I can't tell you how many people I know that started business and stats show that like, you know, most businesses usually fail. What is it, you know, less than three years? It could be less now. And it, it could be two years. It could be even one year. But, you know, most businesses fail in a very short period of time. Because you know, one, they lose that purpose and that drive to just keep going, and they they're not set, they're not willing to sacrifice and not willing to commit. But it's hard, it, and it, it's it's like a war zone out there. And people that do succeed and that get a lot of success, they're looked at like they were an overnight success, but people don't see all the struggles that took to actually get them where they're mm-hmm. at. But for the individual like yourself or me or anyone else that's staying in that fight, it's like we have to have that burning fire inside of us, that purpose, that why, that thing that's going to wake us up and say, you know what, there's no stopping. I have no plan B and I'm just going to keep running forward as fast as I can. And so for me, it's always my kids. You know, I always look at my wife and my kids and like, you know what, you guys are my driving factor. And I always think about the day when my first son was born and when, when I earned the title of being called daddy. And it was like, that gave me a whole different sense of purpose. I've already built several businesses before that and, you know, over 10 plus years and, you know, w- with that is like, okay, I was just doing it just to do it, but I kept burning out. It's like, okay, I do the martial arts school. I'm done with it. I sold the business. I started a fitness business. Did that for, you know, just shy of a decade. And, you know, then I was done with it. And I was like, want to start something else. So I started advertising agency, and then I get into coaching. But it wasn't until he was born where I actually had that purpose to really fight forward and keep going and stay in that fight for what I was doing and actually build something. I mean, I built amazing business, even my fitness business. It was, I was all over Charlotte. So you might've seen me out there, but I was all over Charlotte, South Carolina and St. Louis and Illinois. And, uh, and it was, it was thriving. It was doing really well. I loved what I did, but you know, it just got to a point where it just wasn't enough. And I didn't, I didn't really know why. And so I love hearing your story about that drive saying, I'm not going to let people tell me that I can't do it and I'm going to prove these people wrong. And I think that's a enough to keep you in there and to keep fighting and keep going to build the dream of success that you desire yeah. awesome well we're going to go to our first break and when we come back i want to start diving into some of your your talk about negative and too positive with reversing your cash flow so let's stay tuned we'll be back here in one minute
0: most entrepreneurs miss out on opportunities due to lack of leadership or not knowing how to connect with the right people or the right customers they struggle keeping their sales pipeline full and booking qualified leads. What would your business look like if you had a team to support you referring your ideal clients who are excited and ready to buy? Business Leaders Network is a mastermind networking community where we focus on education, learning from industry leaders, networking, and building real connections. You can learn more by visiting businessleadersnetworking.com or by tuning into our weekly show with your strategic business success coach JR Spear on Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Mountain, 12 p.m. Pacific on inspiredchoicesnetwork.com Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? email, become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com This is Business Leaders Network with JR Spear. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com You can also send an email to grow at Networking.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hey, welcome back, everyone. My name is JR, and I'm your host on the Business Leaders Network. And today we have a very special guest, Angela Goodman. And before we dive back into our episode, I just want to remind you, if you have not been a guest inside of our Business Leaders Network community, every week we go live, giving you guys tools, resources, and tips that can help you grow and leadership, sales, marketing, systems, processes, and finances, as well as connect you with other industry leaders that can help you grow your pipeline and your influence and your impact. So go to blncommunity.com, click on Get Started, and we would love to see you on one of our calls. All right, today we were talking to Angela a lot about what got, what inspired her to want to start. Her businesses. I mean, she owns all, multiple different businesses where she is, you know, owns a franchise toastery restaurant out of Loudoun County, Virginia, as well as helping other entrepreneurs with the growth of their business. And, you know, the topic of today is negative to positive, reversing your cash flow. So I'm really intrigued and interested to hear how we can turn our uh, reverse our cash flow and turn the negative to positive. So Angela, the floor is yours.
2: So, you know, Jr. I think I alluded to it in our in our first segment. And when I first opened the restaurant, sales were well below what I needed them to be. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, you start a business, you write a business plan, you have projections on what you're going to take in from a revenue perspective. And then those projections and the revenue you project, you've also got projections on the expense side, right? Labor, cost of goods, um, all of your overhead expenses. And when your sales are down, you're not going to make money. Bottom line. So in the first two years, uh, the struggle was real in the restaurant business uh, at the Famous Toastery. And I had a a really difficult time making my top line projections and sales. And I found myself actually in the first two years at a a negative like six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It wasn't a small wasn't a small amount of money. Yeah, I had quite a bit. I had to reinvest in the business. Um, and then on top of that, I unfortunately was not paying myself either because I'd had gotten into the situation and I chose to, in the first six months to manage the store myself. Um, I wanted to learn every aspect of the business from food waste to usage, to consumption, to building the culture in the restaurant with my, with my team, developing a leadership team. Um, and so, not paying myself um, was also a part of those losses. Uh, that being said, I during the um, 2019, I found um, 75 Hard, which is a mental toughness program um, that was started in the Midwest by um, a gentleman who owns First Andy, Form, now Andy Priscilla. Yep. And Andy started uh, the program, created the program because of his own struggles that he had. And I I found the program and a part of that is is reading. And um, you read 10 pages a day of some kind of self-help or professional development book, which I hadn't done for a number of years in my life. And I found Profit First, uh, which is a cash flow methodology book written by Mike McAllowitz. and Profit First Teaches you how to manage the cash flow in your business based on dollars in and dollars out. It's very simple. It is not complicated. Um, it does not uh, require you to understand accounting. It is literally how many dollars are you bringing in and how many dollars are flowing back out and what are you allocating those monies to. Um, and what I found with myself was I had one bank account for my restaurant. All of my income went in that bank account and all of my expenses came out of that one bank account. So I didn't pay as close attention to every single penny and every single bucket that was leaving. I would overspend on labor. I would overspend on food costs. I would overspend on some of the other expenses if I needed small wares or something else for the restaurant. And so what Profit First then taught me when I found it was to allocate the monies that are coming in. Before you ever spend any money going out. So if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey or you had a family member who did the envelope system in your life in order to help them save or to budget their expenses, Profit First is a very similar um, methodology, but changes it just a little bit. Mike McCallowitz in his early years grew some very successful businesses, sold them and thought he had the magic touch and quickly invested in businesses that lost him a lot of money. And he eventually went bankrupt on his own and then developed the profit first system for the businesses he started after that. Um, and what profit first teaches you is once you get that income into an account, you create and open another four accounts. That you then allocate to you pay yourself first, you provide owner's compensation, you provide money toward taxes, you actually pull out the uh, profit that you should be making inside your business based on your industry standard or based on historical values, you pull those things out before you ever actually have an expense role to spend your money. Um, That allows for several different things. It allows you, number one, to prioritize paying yourself, which a lot of entrepreneurs do not do. I have a lot of clients in my other businesses that unfortunately haven't paid themselves in years, and I work with them to set up a way to pay themselves. They just feel like the money's not there. The money's there. They're just choosing to spend it on expenses before they actually do end up paying themselves, so then they overspend. Um, So that being said, I instituted profit first in my restaurant business, and then was able to start paying myself on a consistent basis. And then I was able to have money already in the account to pay my taxes when it was tax time. So I wasn't in some kind of crazy rush in tax season, looking for every dollar I could find because I didn't have the money saved to pay my taxes. Um, I also then started to turn a profit in the restaurant because I was pulling it out first. So then I, I really had to dig into those operating expenses and look at food waste and look at labor cost and look at all of the things that I was somewhat blind to because I was just spending what was coming in. And unfortunately, sure. a lot of entrepreneurs uh, do that because they just don't know any different when they start their business. You know, they're functioning in the business of their business. They started it because they wanted to do what the business actually does. They're not—they're not taught finance. They're not taught—they're not taught P&Ls. They're not taught balance sheets. They're not—you know—very, very savvy with accounting. It's all things that we have to learn as entrepreneurs. And um, profit first changed my existence for sure.
1: Yes. So you say there's four different accounts that you set up and I I didn't catch them in order, but the first one was yourself. Second one is what? Walk through that.
2: Okay. So profit first, you actually have a a total of five bank accounts. Your primary account is your income account. That is where all cash that is income to your business comes in and resides. Then you take that money in your income account, and you calculate what allocation percentages you need to apply to a owner's compensation account, a tax account, a profit account, and then an operating expense account. And those are the basic accounts of profit first. Now, when I start with clients um, that I work with, I have clients who might have a payroll account because their payroll is a large portion of what their expenditures are. I have clients who have an inventory account because they might be buying inventory and maintaining inventory, and they need to really control the cost and the amount of money they spend on inventory. So profit first, while you start with the five basic accounts, every business is set up a little bit differently. The allocation percentages obviously are not the same for everyone, even if you're in the same industry. so, but that's the basics, the very basics of the program.
1: So walk me through the percentages of where someone should be at when it comes to their, you know, all these different five different accounts. Well, I mean, the first account is the primary account where all the income flows into, and then you separate it through. So what what are the recommendations for the percentages saying for like the owners and taxes and profits and, and operating expenses? Give us some good oversight on that.
2: So there is a lot of... um flexibility variability depending on the actual size of the business so an owner who is operating let's say they're operating a coaching firm so they don't have a lot of overhead expenses and they might have one or two people or employees so their payroll is not very big if they're under five hundred thousand dollars in revenue fifty percent of that they should be paying to themselves that's a big number so if you're at a five hundred thousand dollar coaching and consulting business that's your revenue stream $250,000 $250,000 of that should be going directly to your pocket. Um, there are a lot of guidances and different gates as far as the revenues concerned. Um, with my restaurant business, my restaurant does about $2.4 million a year. My owner's compensations should range somewhere between eight and 12% of that 2.4 million targeted. Um, obviously restaurants don't have a whole lot of profitability behind them. Um, Typical, typical restaurant business is going to run somewhere between eight and maybe 15 percent on the profitability side, depending on whether or not you're a franchise or independently owned. Um, so you're going to target that profit allocation based off of where your kind of industry standard is. Um, similarly, obviously, most of us pay, you know, 15 to 30 percent taxes, depending on how well we're doing. So your tax allocation is a little bit easier to calculate. Um, That is only your federal and state tax allocation, any sales taxes or things like that come out of an operating expense account um, because those are costs of doing business. Um, And then your operating accounts and um, also any other extraneous accounts are just dependent upon what you're physically spending in your business. So I recommend to people that I work with to Seek the help of a Profit First certified professional in order to do your initial allocations because they can be complicated. And if you don't do them well, you'll give up and then you'll never get to see the true impact and benefit of the system. Um, The goal of Profit First as a whole is to essentially create cash for yourself. So. You don't go somewhere for a line of credit anymore. You've built up enough you've built up enough cash in your accounts and in your business that you can that you can utilize and tap into your own funds as a line of credit for scaling and growth and different things you want to do. You might create an investment account where you just put away one percent of the of the monies from your revenue and that becomes the money you invest back into your business. Um, so there are a lot of different things that you can do with the profit first methodology in order to better manage your cash flow and to go from feeling like you don't have any or being negative and turning that into a positive source of of cash reserves on the back end.
1: I love that. We're going to go to our, next, our second break here in a second, but before we do. I I was kind of curious, like, how do you set up five different accounts? Like, I know the primary checking account, but do you just, do you set up like different savings accounts at your bank or how, how does that work?
2: So it depends on which one you're setting up. So if you are um, your profit account, your owner's compensation account, your tax account are going to be accounts that tend to hold money in them. So you'll want to set those up as a savings account um, or even a money market savings account. So you're earning additional interest on the monies that may grow in those accounts. Obviously, mm-hmm. your checking account for your um Checking account for your operating expense account. And then if you have a payroll or an inventory or anything like that, those would be checking accounts. Your income account. Uh, nowadays, when you go to apply for a line of credit with different businesses or quick turn uh, credit options, they can only really gauge your checking accounts as as how they rate whether or not your business deserves a specific line of credit. So I always recommend that people open their income account as a checking account so that that will show up in the event that they want to go invest in their business and pull a line of credit and be considered for things that can that can get given to them pretty quickly.
1: That's pretty powerful. And I would not have thought of, of putting like a tax account or or something like that into a money market or, and things like that. So really cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to head off to our second break here right now. But when we get back, I would love to to dive more into what do you plan on speaking at when at our next BLN live summit? And let's go through your your signature talk, some steps that people or benefits that people will walk away with and from the event itself and uh, really just get people excited about coming to meet you and hearing what you have to say so that way we can... Uh, encourage them to want to be able to join us at that event so stay tuned we'll come back here in a minute
0: most entrepreneurs miss out on opportunities due to lack of leadership or not knowing how to connect with the right people or the right customers they struggle keeping their sales pipeline full and booking qualified leads what would your business look like if you had a team to support you referring your ideal clients who are excited and ready to buy Business Leaders Network is a mastermind networking community where we focus on education, learning from industry leaders, networking, and building real connections. You can learn more by visiting businessleadersnetworking.com. Or by tuning into our weekly show with your strategic business success coach, J.R. Spear, on Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Mountain, 12 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can This is Business Leaders Network with J.R. Spear. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to grow at BusinessLeadersNetworking.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hey, welcome back everyone. My name is JR and I'm your host on the Business Leaders Network. And we're excited to have Angela Goodman here as our special guest. And before we dive back into the show, just always wanna invite guests inside of our online community, our BLN community, where we teach you guys every single week going live, giving you guys tools and resources on leadership, sales, marketing, systems, processes of finances, as well as helping you connect with other industry leaders that can help you guys grow your impact and grow your influence. So go to blncommunity.com, click on get started, and we would love to see you as one of my VIP guests inside of our community. All right, Angela, we are unfolding a lot of information. You know, the first part of the show, we talked a lot about vision, what led you to where you're at today, how you got started and building a franchise as well as starting, you know, your your coaching business to help other entrepreneurs. And then we dived into some of your methodology with profit first on you know, how can we manage cash flow to be able to run our business? And uh you know, what I'm really excited about right now, not saying that the stuff wasn't excited before, but I am really excited about learning more about. What is your signature talk when it comes to staying on that stage and really leading people to a uh you know to, to make a difference inside of their business? Because January 19th in the DC area, we are hosting our next BLN Live Summit, uh, Entrepreneur Summit in the Northern Virginia, DC area. And want to want people to get excited about who's going to be there leading them at that event. And you are going to be one of our special keynote speakers and love for you to just dive in on what people can expect. So what are you going to bring to the table? What are you going to bring to the stage? What what should people expect?
2: I, you know, I think the biggest thing people should expect is, is I work with a lot of clients who struggle in their business with cash flow, and oftentimes it's their fault. <laughs> oftentimes yeah. it starts with them. It's their fault. It goes back to how they value themselves, how they value pricing within their business, how they value themselves as leaders. Um, And what I have learned in my own experience is that the most important part of being successful in business is understanding what takes you out of your game what actually takes you to the point where you want to hit the eject button and get out how do you overcome that how do you how do you get past that how do you apply that back into your business to teach then your your employees and your leadership team how they reengage themselves back in the game um a lot of the issues that i had throughout covid throughout the pandemic throughout uh, my cash flow struggles really went back to me internally, how could I pull through and what could I and what could I do for myself, and then going out and finding the who and the knowledge and the tools and the tasking of of being able to get the help I needed to better turn around my situation. So my talk in January is going to focus all about that. How do you turn yourself around? How do you get back into your business? How do you get back on your game? How do you understand what takes you out so that then you can understand how to reengage? And then also, obviously, a lot of tactics on exactly that with your cash flow. How do you get your cash flow back on point? How do you redirect it? How do you learn and grow and invest and scale successfully so that your business is then profitable for you and you can attain your outcomes in life? Um, So that is a lot of what I'm going to talk about. I don't give a lot of it away, but (laughs) that's where we're going to
1: go. No, that's really good. So give us some good insight about, like, why someone should listen to you.
2: Well, bottom line is, is I've experienced a lot in my very, uh, I don't know, midsize, I guess, 45 years. Um, I have been in a lot of different industries. I've worked with a lot of different industry clients also. And there is one common thread. And the common thread is as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, um, you've got to tap into your own experiences and the experiences of those that have gone before you in order to better your business. Um, So I feel like people listening to some of the experiences I've had along with some of the client experiences that I've had will help them really dive into some things maybe they hadn't thought about for themselves to consider and how it applied into their business.
1: So working with a lot of different clients and hearing you talk and, you know, it's obvious that you got the credibility you had for, for being able to speak on this topic and be able to help different people. And I'm just really excited about learning myself. I'm like, Oh man, you know, maybe there is something I can change inside of my business about how I'm running it and, and be able to learn from you itself. But what are you seeing in the common trends that a lot of small business owners do? Because you you mentioned that most of the time it's the owner themselves. And mm-hmm. you, you also hit on saying that people don't are scared to spend their money. I fall into that trap quite a bit. It's like, I don't want to take money because what if I don't get the money again next month? Or what if I fall short the month after that? What's going to happen? Am I going to have to go bankrupt or whatever? And am I going to be able to provide? Am I going to be able to pay my employees, my staff? And and all these different things. And, you know, I had to shift my mindset over the years where it's like, you know what? My family is more important and I'm going to pay them first so that before I do everyone else. And I do. And, but it's still a struggle sometimes because I, I always wonder is like, what if the next two, three, four months that I'm not bringing in the clients, I'm not bringing in the cash flow, I'm not bringing in the the revenue that I need to actually sustain my business. But what do you see in the common trends uh, that a lot of small business owners are having? when it it comes to their
2: cash flow. You know, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of small business owners miss the piece that they created their business to feed their life. And Mm -hmm. what I what I find is when I get in and start working with clients that are really struggling with with how to make the right decisions for their business, that they don't even have the ability to make the right decisions for themselves. They don't understand what they want for their own life. They don't understand how their life um, is tied into their business. I mean, you just said it, right? If you don't understand that your family is your priority, then how do you understand how your business fits into how to feed your family, um, a lot of small business owners haven't defined what they want their, their outcomes to be. So they've not set the goals for their life and then reverse engineered those goals to say, okay, now, because this is what I want, I need my business to produce X, Y, and Z. Um, and so you end up kind of getting in this, in this loss. And we all know as entrepreneurs, we're putting out fires every single day. We don't know when we wake up in the morning, what problem is going to present itself that particular day. And we get total tunnel vision on how do we solve the problem? How do we fix the problem? How do we address the problem? And we lose focus on, wait a minute, the big picture over here is what I need to be handling. Um, so I feel like that's one major common thread is that most entrepreneurs get that they get stuck. They get stuck in that in that everyday firefight. So there's never enough time. There's never enough opportunity for them to make their own plans and goals. There's never enough opportunity for them to sit above their business and look into it and say, "Okay, I need to move the chess pieces here and here and here and here in order to accomplish what I want to do out here. Um, And I really spend a lot of time working with entrepreneurs in the beginning, the first few days of an evaluation process to dive in and really what do you want? What do you want? What not? What do you want for your business, but what do you want for you? And then let's go back and look at your business and what needs to be fixed and addressed in order to give you the outcomes you're looking for in your life.
1: You said something really powerful, and I and I'm seeing the shift and uh, that a lot of people just don't really think about. But we start. You you said that we start our businesses for a reason or something that we want to feed our lives mm-hmm. and to feed feed what we're doing and stuff like that. And I can totally relate to that in so many different ways. But when does that shift happen and that change happen where we stop caring for ourselves and taking care of ourselves and what we're doing? And we end up putting our business over our family versus our family over our business and our values and priorities end up shifting and changing. And all of a sudden, a couple of years or a few years goes by and we're like, how did we end up in this place of where we're at? When does that change happen? Because I'm seeing that quite a bit with a lot of people. And I I went through it where my priorities, you know, it, it was always like, you know, business, God, kids, and wife. And now I'm like, wait, that's, that's completely wrong. That's completely backwards. It needs to be like, you know, God, wife, kids, business. (laughs) And, but I was putting business above everything and putting that as a priority. So traveling, doing all these different things. But in the end, my, my family was suffering and I, uh, I just kind of got lost. I got lost in the, the hype of everything I was doing. I got lost in, you know, the success, I got lost with like all the opportunities that kept coming my way. And I just kept following and chasing. And then finally, I had to be hit by a bus and, and uh, get slapped and knocked on the ground and saying, Hey, you know what, you, have let, you got pretty much I say, God hit me with a, the God bus is what one of my mentors tells me It's like, yeah, I hit with the God bus. And, and it's like slashing the face and saying, you know what, this you're, you're, you're getting off to where I took you and, and we need to get you back on track. Yeah. But when does that happen? And uh, how do how did we overcome that?
2: You know, it's interesting. I I, I am very faithful and spiritual myself, and I, just like you, had lost my direction. I forgot we are all here with a purpose. Whether we realize what our purpose is or not, we are all here with a purpose, and our journey in life is to continue to learn and grow and figure out what that purpose is and do what our calling is. And Until you figure that out, you can get lost in the day to day shuffle, you get lost in the emergencies, you get lost in the ego of it, you get lost in the desire, let me just grow and build and be able to say that I've done all of these things. (laughs) At the end of the day, when we all get to the end, and we meet our maker, and we and we arrive there, we need to have figured out our gifts and lived our life to our full potential. That's what we're here for. We're here to learn, to grow, to be community, to help other people and to reach our full potential, the potential we were intended to have when we arrived on this planet. And um, I think that most people, it takes them a little bit of time to figure out their purpose. And some people don't figure it out right away. And some people figure it out really, really early. Um, But to answer that question, I think I think. the shift is different for everybody. It's not a timing. It's, there's no time bound to it. Um, I feel like to your point, sometimes you get hit with the God bus. It's like, Hey, that's it. I have a friend of mine who spoke a few weeks ago, a very powerful speaker. He, he is a voice coach and he is my voice coach. She does amazing things with me. But that being said, he said it himself. He got hit four times with the God bus before he finally said up. Okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. I hear it. I'm done. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, some of us get that God bust a little earlier than others, but you know, it's, it's about understanding what is my purpose? Why am I here? And how can I work toward that?
1: Yeah. And I, I love what you just said. It boils down to your purpose. It boils down to why you're here vision, where you're going, what you're doing. And, and, uh, which is why I started the show off like this, because I wanted to really figure out like where, what led you to where you're at and where, where you wanted to go. What was the journey that you went on to be able to help you get there, and what's keeping you in that fight? And you know, just like you know everything, when we start getting steering off track and not really prioritizing the right things, we have to always go back to the roots of what led us to where we're at in the first place. And you know, what what really brought me to want to ask this question is because you know, I I think cash flow is a big thing, but I also think why people got started in doing what they're doing is another thing because. Most entrepreneurs have no clue how to manage money themselves. All they knew is like, hey, you know what? I know how to do something. Let me see if I can make some money from it. Then they make a lot of money and like they don't know how to manage it. I mean, why do they say a lot of uh, people that win the lottery end up becoming broke once they get the money? It's because they just don't know how to manage the money. They, They get, you know, all hyped up in the success and what they have and the fortune, but they just don't know how to actually treat it, you know, and, and where to allocate it and where to put it and stuff. So, so many great nuggets that you're giving to us and, and you know, walking away, which I'm going to have to dive deeper into getting that book for the profit first and figuring <laughs> out the the five, uh, five different bank accounts and how to allocate and what to do and things like that. I mean, there's so many cool things that you taught us that just from that little bit of uh, knowledge that you poured into us today can make a big difference and impact on every single person that's listening here. So I just want to, I, I appreciate you diving in and going through that. Now, for when it comes to your, what I like to say, your perfect client. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to like your perfect client and what you're doing, who who are the individuals that you love working with? And, you know, what can they expect when it comes to getting started with you?
2: So I'm, the first thing I tell all clients that I work with is I'm, I'm really tough. I'm not easy. If you've arrived at my doorstep, it's because you need help and you need assistance and you need, and you need someone to be tough with you and not just tell you the things that you want to hear um hmm. so that's usually conversation number 1 and uh clients that i work with because i have turned some clients away because clients that i work with have to be ready for that change because again it's not about necessarily your business in a lot of cases it's really about you it's about how you value yourself it's about how you value your own pricing it's about how you value your own leadership how you value your purpose how you understand all of those things and that's where i start with all of my clients and and there are people who are not ready to take that journey yet Um, But I love to work with clients that are struggling. Uh, My purpose here on this planet is to help other people through my experiences. And I take that very seriously. I would do my job for free, to be honest with you. I would help people for nothing, but I have to eat too. So (laughs) that being said, um, you know, clients who are in, you know, service related businesses who are struggling on their cash flow, who are really trying to make an effort and an impact or have leadership challenges within their business or cultural issues Those are really kind of the ideal people that I really enjoy working with to help them kind of really transform their lives.
1: That's really cool. Tell us one of your best client success stories. You don't need to give names.
2: So I I have a client in the hospitality industry who I have been working with for a few months. um, And... She came to me uh very desperate because her business sales were not doing well but she was actually profitable she didn't she didn't have an issue with profitability but her team was constantly turning over she was having a lot of cultural related issues Um, I went down to do her initial four day evaluation with her. I spend the first day working with the client, just me and them about them and understanding their outcomes and all of the things and diving deep into some questions on on the personal side of things. And then the next day I spend on site and day number three, she came to me and said, I I think I might be the problem. And I said, yes, you are the problem. (laughs) Like we've taught, we have kind of talked about this. And she really has made an amazing turnaround personally for herself in how she manages her team, her manager that she has working for her. And her manager has now been empowered to go out and do her job. And she's very capable of doing so. And they've seen a sales turnaround already. They have seen commitment from their staff and more community within their restaurant in in less than a three-month period of time. They've just made so many shifts and changes Um, So when people are really ready to make that change within their business, they they can get to the point where the business will operate on its own. Her major outcome was not having to be present in her business and allowing it to to run without her. And she already was almost there, but she was getting in her own way of that and um, giving her some tools, teaching her some things about herself She already is almost out the outcome that she wants. And now we are just focusing on growing sales based off a culture. Um, And so she's been an inspiration to me because she's been so open and being able to deal with her situation.
1: That's really powerful. And uh, you said like day three, she first had to commit to herself to want to make those changes. And I, I it goes back to what I was telling you before. It's like it all starts with ourselves. Yeah. Most of the times we're the, we're the problem. We're the one that are self-sabotaging our own success and where we're going. And it's not even the things that are around us. It's not our staff. It's not all the different stuff. It's it's everyone else or it's ourself. But it's, it's committing and saying, hey, you know what? I need to make that change. Because it's really easy for someone to bring someone in like you and saying, okay, here's the tools, here's the tactics, here's the things you need to change. And they do it, but they never really realize that the thing that's actually stopping them is nothing that you're teaching them has everything to do with himself mm-hmm. and we we allow our egos and the best part of us to get a hold of us to to say hey you know what it's not me i'm fine i'm i got everything going on i know what i'm doing and, and things like that but we just need to humble ourselves and say you know what maybe it is me Maybe I'm the one that needs to be fixed, and maybe I'm the one that needs to make some change in order to see some different and real results. So love that really powerful story that you just said there. I haven't I haven't asked this question for a while on uh, to any of the guests, but you know, I my I, I own multiple businesses, but my consulting business is called Creed Consulting, C-R-E-E-D. And it stands for commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. And the reason why I came up with that is because. I really wanted to write down some key core values that I can exemplify for myself, but also the clients that I come in with. And and I was thinking about my time in the military and my you know, growing up in the martial arts and all the different things that I'm taught and black belt excellence and execution, having discipline, both mental and physical and, uh, you know, and just always showing up with excellence. And, you know, and then when I was writing it all down, it came out with creed. And then later on, after about a year after I came up with the name, it, the, you know, by Wikipedia dictionary, it actually stands for belief and uh, for creed. And I thought that was really powerful. But, you know, one question I wanted to ask you is, like, what is your creed? And the question is, what is the one thing that you are most committed to that you'd be resilient even through the most difficult times? Showing up every day, giving your best and having the mental and physical discipline to complete your mission. So, Angela, what is your creed? How would you answer that?
2: So one of the things first and foremost to me is integrity. Um, I operate at a very high level of integrity uh, with myself first, which most people are operate with integrity with other people, but don't operate with integrity with themselves. So when I make a commitment to myself, I keep that commitment to myself and I follow it through until completion. Um, So integrity is extremely important to me. um, That aligns with honesty with myself. Am I being truthful with what I'm telling myself? Am I believing in myself? Am I... Am I choosing to do things for myself that are not allowing me the space and time that I need to get them accomplished? Um, and then belief in myself. I struggled with that for a very long time in my life. I didn't believe in me. I was very accomplished. I had done a lot of things in my life. And, and on the outside looking in, people would have been like, oh, she's got it all together. Um, so belief in myself is something I wake up and think about every morning um, along with my faith. My faith is very important to me. Um, it's something that I have recently found in the last five or six years. And that is another thing that I don't compromise on whatsoever. And I work with people who are in alignment with that.
0: Very cool. Love that. Thank you for listening to the Business Leaders Network show. JR Spear returns Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Mountain, 12 p.m. Pacific on the InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then... Stay committed to your goals and be resilient even through the most difficult times. Showing up every day, giving your best and having the mental and physical discipline to complete your mission.